My name is Will Spencer, and you're listening to the Renaissance of Men podcast. My guest this week helps women date in the 21st century and find a healthy and lasting marriage. Please welcome Leela Tomasone. You are the Renaissance. There's something fascinating happening in the secular world today. Women are beginning to wake up to the fact that, hey, this modernity thing, it isn't working out so well. They're discovering that they haven't enjoyed being the boss babe, haven't enjoyed telling men what to do, and especially haven't enjoyed it when men do what they're told. They also don't like it when they stumble into the wrong man who can't and won't be told what to do. Oh sure, there are things about him that are attractive at first, but it doesn't take too long to scratch beneath the surface and see there's not much more to him than excitement. I call this the post-feminist two-step. Step Step one, find a macho, exciting dude. When that doesn't work out, step two, find a nice guy. When that doesn't work out, return to step one. I imagine it's pretty maddening, disappointing, disillusioning, and frustrating, generally because the process seems to take between 10 to 15 years before women get sick of it, sometimes in their mid-30s, and either settle or go it alone. Believe me, ladies, I feel this. I know that I can be pretty hard-edged in some of the things I say, but beyond that, I have deep sympathy for the struggle, because I was also part of the stance in my own way as a man. What's encouraging to me, however, is that many women are also not satisfied with this two-step and are realizing rightly that there might be a third way. But that third way involves as much unlearning as it does learning. It doesn't begin with the assumption, if only I can find the right guy out there. Rather, it starts with the idea What if there's something I can do in here, as in within myself, to have him come to me? The word for this is accountability. It's hard, and no one likes it, not even men, who are in some ways built for it. But for women, it's even harder to take, seeing the knowledge that the way that they've been trained to relate to men contributed to countless bad relationships, and that small shifts within themselves can have big results. It's just those shifts are precisely in the directions that they've been warned their whole lives not to go. Which is why it takes a profound act of courage to move away from decades of social and familial conditioning towards something that we're told is backwards. But that step backwards is actually the only real step towards fulfillment for those brave enough to take it. And when women do, the consistent report they find is that good men had been around them all along. Which brings me to my guest this week. Her name is Leela Tomasone, and she's a relationship and marriage coach who helps women find their own way down this road of fulfillment after she herself walked it later in life. Coming out of a bad marriage, then business school as a single mother, she determined that there had to be a better way to relate to men, a way to see them, or us, for who we are, for what we need, and to relate to us from a place where she could see that men truly do wish to meet women's needs in abundance. Really? But that requires trust, no small amount of faith, and an S-word you may have heard, but that poses a bit of a challenge. The word is surrender. And I like this word. Choosing the right word is important, because the first problem that men and women have today between each other is communication. How to express what we're looking for and what we need and what we're meant to be for each other in a way the other person can hear. Men and women are different. And therefore, men and women communicate differently. Yes, words matter, I get it, but go with me here. The way men communicate is in terms of order, 
systems, and hierarchy. So it's natural for men to use another S word, submission. The Bible uses that word too, so it's not remotely my intention to question it. And women also communicate in terms of relationship, feeling, and emotion. So is it possible that we can add to our vocabulary another word, surrender, which at least in a romantic context speaks to a feeling in the language women can hear? And if I can riff on this for another second, if you're a man, surrender is a word you absolutely don't want to say. Surrender means waving the white flag. Surrender means I lose. Submission, on the other hand? Well, yeah, I'm in submission to my superior officer. No big deal. Now flip these ideas around for women. Submission? What am I, subservient? But surrender? That has the context of swoon, letting go, being free. When you read the stories that women tell themselves about romance, like in movies and such, does that not capture the feeling women are seeking? Could that speak to something powerful and good within their nature? I say all this in part because Leela isn't Christian. She says as much at the start of our interview. And I've taken flack from followers and friends for talking to non-Christians about dating and romance. But I can't help but ask, why does it seem like women outside the Christian faith are working harder at this than women inside it? I have some answers, but that would be irrelevant to this discussion. Instead, I ask, for those of us who care about these issues within Christendom, what of common grace can we learn to solve these very real and pressing problems? Because Leela, as you'll hear, helped solve these problems for a faithful Christian couple who are friends of mine, which is why she and I are talking. So I pray our conversation can help you do the same. In our conversation, Leela and I discussed her background leading to transformation, relationships and women's sense of self-worth, women learning to receive, why to listen to men, why beauty is a part of femininity, being present as a woman, and submission, suppression, and surrender. If you enjoy the Renaissance of Men podcast, thank you. We're a few months into my fourth year of hosting the podcast, and you know what? I think I'm starting to get the hang of this. So can you tell a friend for me? Invite them over to the party because this year is shaping up to be wild. You can do that by leaving a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or a five-star rating on Spotify. Plus, share this episode or another one of your favorites with a friend. For those of you who missed my Basics of Biblical Fatherhood panel on YouTube this past Monday, we had an incredible time. Former U.S. Army Ranger Nate Spearing, Matt Reynolds from Barbell Logic, Brandon Lansdowne from Reformation Coffee, and our new level-headed friend Garrett Barty all showed up with courage, heart, and wisdom. We had at least 30 people watching the whole time as well, and I felt very blessed. I'll put the stream out soon in audio-only format, but you can watch the video live on YouTube now at the link in the description. To the ladies listening, if you're looking for a gift for your husband or boyfriend, I have Renaissance of Men, The Righteous Will Never Be Shaken shirts available at Source Christian Apparel. Source is run by two faithful Christian wives. Source is run by two faithful Christian wives, Julia and Anna, who step back from their careers to build a stay-at-home business to support their husbands. So you can buy a shirt to support your man and support two women supporting their men at the same time. Everybody wins. So go visit SourceChristianApparel.com right now to get your limited-run Righteous Tea designed by one of the top designers in the space and printed on a super soft and comfortable material. Again, visit SourceChristianApparel.com to order your t-shirt now. And finally, the Renaissance of Men podcast is proudly sponsored by Reformation Coffee. Purveyors of fine coffee beans, hand-roasted by Pastor Brandon Lansdowne and his family in Springfield, Missouri. 
Brandon, the Lansdowne family, and Reformation are doing big things this year, stepping out and expanding the business to help overthrow the dominion of woke globalist coffee. And you can help them in that mission by going to ReformationCoffee.com right now and ordering one of their four signature roasts. Also, use the code SUBFREE when you sign up for regular coffee delivery, and you can get one free 12-ounce bag on the house. Again, go to ReformationCoffee.com, and when you sign up for regular coffee delivery, you can use the code SUBFREE to get one free bag of coffee. And please welcome this week's guest on the podcast, from Limitless by Leela, Leela Tomasone. Leela, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. Hi, Will. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, before we start, I just want to thank you for blessing my friends, Cheryl and Scott, which is one of the big reasons why we're talking today. I got the chance to meet them at Electric City Baptist Church in October, which was a very productive weekend for me. We had uh, Dr. Joe Bova on for health and wellness a couple of weeks ago, and now we're speaking to you. So I'm, I'm, lots of fruit is being born from that one weekend, which is I'm very grateful for. That's so cool. I love it. Yeah. Um, Cheryl, let me know that, that she talked to you. And so I was excited. So let's, let's just start with a little bit of your background. Um, I know the things that you talk about and the subjects, um, the subjects that you share with both men and women, but how did you find your way into this world? It seems like a sort of a later in life kind of shift. Definitely. Yeah. Um, it, it, I, like I said, I, I grew up Catholic. Um, and um, I, I feel like my parents set a really good example for marriage, um, but I, I don't know if it's me or this generation or just like a normal um, issue, but I feel like what was missing was the why. Like, why did traditional marriage work so well mm. for them and, and their approach? And um, I mean, my my grandparents, my mom's side had uh, 10 kids and tons of oh, grandkids. Wow. And, you know, so it's like all the ingredients seem to be there. But for some reason, I just really wanted to rebel from all of that. And <laughs> <laughs> and I did big time. And the more I rebelled, the lower my self-esteem went, you know, like the lower my own self-valuing went because I was unsuccessful, just failing at relationships. And, um, you know, that's, you know, about um, men and women in polarity and, and women get a lot of our, you know, self-worth from the quality of our relationships. So um, I ended up in a um, harmful, you know, toxic marriage um, from, I think I got married at age 24 or 26, somewhere in there. And then um, but it, it had been a long relationship before that. And then, um, you know, I had my two beautiful girls, which, um, really saved me in the end. Um, because when, uh, my first husband left and th- there was just this horrible, like custody battle it was a high conflict divorce. The kids were in the middle. It was a nightmare. Um, and so if it were just, it was just me, um, I, I probably would have given up, you know, um, but because of my girls there, I couldn't, you know, mm-hmm. that just wasn't an option. Um, so I really was concerned that they needed a good example of a healthy marriage and healthy, healthy relationship. Like, how could I expect them to, um, you know, value themselves and know how to find a good 
um, relationship and build a good marriage if I didn't. And I hadn't figured that out. So that was my mission. And um, that was, I was around 37-ish years old at that time um, with, you know, the divorce and the custody battle and all of that. Um, I, I just, just determined to transform myself and um, for the benefit of my girls, I needed to be my highest value person to attract my highest value spouse. And um, I, you know, just head to toe um, transformation, lost weight, like styled myself, like really um, leaned into femininity and, and fitness and discipline and just all the good things. And um, I, I've always been interested in psychology, um, but at that time I, I just, I felt like it was, um, it was a lifeline. Like I just needed to understand relationships. I just needed to figure this out. And um, for some reason, um, I don't remember exactly why, but I came to the conclusion that this was something I could figure out. You know, it had all, it had always kind of eluded me. Like it was something, you know, I'm a smart person. I can learn things. Why haven't I learned this? Mm. Is it unlearnable? Is it only like you only have it or you don't? You know, is it only instinctual? Um, and, you know, at in the end of it, I, I concluded, no, it is learnable. It is it is something you can um, come into later in life. And it's kind of like, I don't know if you've ever seen that pyramid of um, unconscious incompetence. Mm -hmm. And then you go to like conscious incompetence. Okay, I know I'm bad at this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and then you go to the next level of conscious competence. And it's like, okay, I figured it out. Now I can be good at it. And then um, then eventually you get so good at it that it's like you're unconsciously competent, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but so that's, that's what I went through. And, um, what I found was that the Bible had a lot of wisdom. <laughs> there was a guide right Amazing. there all along, right? <laughs> Who would have known, yeah. um, instructions, uh, you know, on polarity and men and women and marriage and love and, and how to build a family. And uh, so, so I just really became a believer. I was just like, well, God knows what he's talking about. So <laughs> I guess I'll listen. Um, and I found my husband. Uh, now we've been married five years. And um, so that was, I'm 46 now. I was 39 when I met him. And we got married a year later. So mm -hmm. um, at that point, I feel, felt like, Oh, I did figure it out, and I have proof that I figured it out. <laughs> right. So maybe, I, so maybe I can help other people. So, um, and he really saw how much um, light and joy that brought me to talk to other women and and help people with their relationships. And really, dating for marriage was like my big um, niche, I guess, my specialty. Mm -hmm. And so he said, you know, let's do it. Just just quit your job and start coaching and we'll mm. see what happens. And that's, that's just been amazing that he supported me in that. And so I've been doing that for um, five years now. What a wonderful story. Praise God for that. And I, I just want to highlight a couple things that you said. So you went through your divorce at 37 and then you got remarried at 39, 40. 
And so you turned you turned around you turned uh, from a, a toxic, destructive relationship that you had been in. I think you said for what ten years or thirteen years or something like that. You turned that around in 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 less than two years from from you know falling out of like a, a high conflict divorce, and you rather than falling into a pit of despair or bitterness or anger, which absolutely could have, you said, no, I'm going to figure this out instead. And you turned it around in, in, it sounds like less than two years in a really powerful way. Well, thank you. Um, it was, I, I mean, the divorce was so long and drawn out that it um, actually was finalized, I think in 2014. And, um, you know, so there was a few, there was definitely a few years in there where I, I was down. I was very okay. down. Um, I, I got into some really toxic relationships. It wasn't, you know, my husband wasn't, um, I didn't get it right <laughs> sure. the first time out of, out of that bad marriage. Um, in fact, getting it wrong a few times after the bad marriage was like really convinced. Okay. All right. I really don't know got what it. I'm doing here. I really okay, do need it. to fix this. Yeah. Um, but once, but I think your, your timeline is accurate though, as far as like figuring finding like the real solution like it it does it it is super quick turnaround um mm -hmm. and can really people i think women especially i don't know if it's um i don't know if it's a normal belief that it's gonna take years and years and years but i i certainly was surprised at how quickly you could turn things around and understanding what does make a good marriage that um, and understanding how to date for marriage that that it could happen in in a year or so. Yeah, it doesn't need to take a long time. Got it. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that for both men and women. There, there's something that you said earlier that I wanted to that I wanted to um, that I wanted to ask you about. Um, now, I have this radical opinion that I think men and women are perfectly capable of understanding each other. Like I think that there are mysterious there will always be mysterious aspects about each other, but I think for the most part, we can really get each other. And I would like to, I want to know what you meant by women derive a lot of their self-worth from their relationships. Like unpack that for me because that feels true and I can understand it, but, but I, I, I just want to see the pieces of that, I guess. Sure. Um, well, another uh, classic, um, aside from the Bible, another classic relationship guide is uh, John Gray's Men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Mm -hmm. And um, I think he does a great job of like really simplifying like what are the differences um, between how we think and how we deal with things. And um, but I mean, it's pretty common, common knowledge that that men are um, more adept at dealing with things and mm -hmm. manipulating things and data and, you know, information and uh, mechanical items or whatever. Um, and and women really um, focus on people mm -hmm. and relationships. And so, you know, I, I think that makes total sense. And you, you of course understand like from a biological perspective that, um, you know, we birth the babies and we, we need to take care of the babies and, um, we need to, you know, keep our, our family and our community structure strong. And so it makes sense that, um, we would be focused on that and really, um, you know, if, if it's something, I mean, I guess if you if you think of it in the sense of like men um, derive a lot of self-worth from um, their ability to provide and, and achieve and bring home the bacon, um, I 
that's a survival tool, that desire to do that, right? And that self-fulfill, uh, that sense of fulfillment from being successful at it makes sense that mm-hmm. that's a survival mechanism right there. So I think it's I think it's similar for women that if we're failing at the basic ingredients for perpetuating our species, mm-hmm. <laughs> getting married and, and having babies, then um, then, you know, we're, we're we're feeling pretty empty and we're feeling pretty, pretty, like, pretty much like a failure. <laughs> so and I, you know, I think that's I think that's healthy to acknowledge and um, accept like it, it's OK if if that hurts, you know, it's okay if that's, um, if there's some sadness there, because that might drive you to, to change and fix it. So what about the women who, and and I agree with you, what about the women who derive their self-worth from things? Because that's what I experience. And that's what a lot of men experience is women out there in the world, particularly under a certain age who are still deriving their sense of self-worth from things. And they resist any notion of deriving their Mm self-worth from their relationships entirely, either because of previously bad relationships or just because there's this innate resistance to, I refuse to tie my self-worth to a man as some sort of cultural imperative. Right. Well, I I don't know that I can convince them otherwise, but I've certainly worked with, that's, that's sort of the um, assumption, I guess, of many women that I work with. It's like, we go out into the world um, unprotected and unguided on how to go to the next step as a, you know, as we mature, how do you, mm-hmm. how do you start a family and establish, establish yourself as a, as a woman? And, um, you know, I, part of my, um, basic assumption is also that we as women do have access to a masculine side and, and are capable of tapping into a lot of the same skills that that men have because um i think um that you know if you want to call it evolutionary speaking or um from biology's point of view like that that there were times that we would need to provide for ourselves or our kids as well right like the the men are off at war they fell in a chasm or something or um they're all exploring into across the sea to a a new country or something um and so it's it's healthy to have access to masculine um energy and and masculine abilities and when we're kind of left on left exposed or left um on uh aware of how to um, you know, just be in our feminine, then that's, that's just going to be the consequence is that we're leaning into masculinity. And, um, you know, I think that that's, um, a healthy, um, ability, but is it really what's ultimately fulfilling? And from Hmm. what I can tell, it's exhausting. Like it's, it's not sustainable. It's, um, possible, for periods of time and, you know, um, women do it for a long period of time, but that doesn't mean that it's necessarily healthy in the long run. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so that's definitely what a lot of my, um, clients and listeners like come around to is that, yeah, I've been doing it and like <laughs> I can do the boss babe thing, but it's not really what I want long-term. 
Mm. So, um, you know, rediscovering and reaccessing our femininity is it, it it's hard. It's challenging when you first try it. <laughs> it doesn't necessarily feel right or natural at first um, for everyone. But what I see and what I've experienced myself is that you actually then will come around to feeling more like yourself. Like, oh, I'm actually way more me than I ever was as the boss babe. I can put on that mask if I need to, um, but it's not its not really you know, who I am at the core. And when I'm leaning into my femininity, then that's when I, I really do feel like myself. Hmm. What are some of the, um, thank you for that. What, what are some of the, um, the chief obstacles that women run into? Cause I, I experience a lot of women who are going through this process right now. I've been living a certain way, living in my masculine, or I've been mm-hmm. out there in the world conquering. And now I want to be a wife and mother and I'm having to rediscover parts of myself that have always been there, but I've ignored or pushed to the side. You know, what are some of the, the chief objections or roadblocks that that women encounter along that way? Because this is not something that I can personally understand mm-hmm. from my own experience. The journey for a lot of men today is very different. Um, it's it's more of a, I mean, it's it's the same kind of thing of bringing forth things that have been suppressed in many cases. Right. Um, but obviously, the journey towards becoming, you know, a righteous masculine man is very different from the journey. Uh, like the journey of becoming a, a righteous feminine woman is like a, is like a, um, an, an unbecoming <clears throat> versus a becoming, right? So maybe what are some of the obstacles that you find that women run into in that process? Sure. Um, good question. One of the hardest things for women to do in this process is to receive, to start receiving and, Um, One of my favorite authors, Laura Doyle, says, um, what's the essence of femininity? Receive, receive, receive. Mm -hmm. And um, that's just so hard for modern women to accept. Mm -hmm. It's like it's like we can sort of get conceptually that we're meant to you know, be given or bought, you know, a big fancy ring or a big fancy house or, you know, it you can kind of conceptualize that he provides and I receive, right? But in practice, it is so uncomfortable for for us. <laughs> I'll, you know, I'll include myself in that. Um, I remember the first time that um, my husband took me and my kids, like first met my kids and um, took us out for ice cream um, I, I just went to get my wallet out and pay, you know, <laughs> and, and he gave me the dirtiest look. <laughs> he was not having it. And I was like, Oh gosh. Okay. Um, I'm so glad that he, you know, he sent me that clear signal, but it was mm-hmm. just so weird and odd for, to let him do that. Um, and, and that's, that's just such a hard thing. Um, yeah. For, for women who are coming it through this journey to to accept it's yeah it's very what is it what is uh, what is it about it that's hard because I've in, I've encountered this <clears throat> I've been yeah. dating a bit over the past few months and you know I've offered compliments and and had them been like thrown back in my face it's like oh you gosh. you can and yeah it's like you can say thank you 
Like you, it's okay. Like you don't have to right. point out like why my compliment is wrong. Like I didn't get upset. Yeah. It's like, cause I, I understood it as like, it was a resistance. I didn't take it personally. It was an inner resistance to receiving. It's like, you can just say, thank you. It's okay. There's no one watching. Right. right. So what is the, what can you unpack some of what that is? Well, I think, um, I think that a lot of it is, is culturally, you know, being mm. told that, um, you know, you're unproductive and you're essentially a waste of space if you're not, you know, earning and paying and um, being, you know, producing and, you know, right, like producing for the economy or whatever. We need we all need to be making an income. We, we all need to be efficient and effective in that specifically, like <laughs> It used to be okay to say that behind every great man is a is a great woman, right? Mm. Because she had a role to play, it, yeah. and and that that was really true. It really it still is really true that we have a role to play as a complement to the masculine. That that means we're the opposite. It means that if he gives, I receive, and. I, you know, I think a lot of it's cultural, but at the same time, I, I think that there's going to always be a grain, maybe a temptation, you would call it, or maybe like, you know, like a tendency to sin, like that I'm too proud, like, mm. like, it's just, it's just there, you know what I mean? And, um, that it, that it does take diligence to come off that high horse and to, to humble. I mean, you have to be humble, right. To accept that what someone else sees in you, maybe I don't, maybe I don't get it. Maybe I don't see it that way, but I can, at least I can humble myself and accept what they say anyway. Um, if, if you're talking about compliments, but, but if you're talking about material things, then that that's humbling too, right? That that you need someone else mm. besides yourself, and that's that's just really hard to accept when we've we've been told the opposite for so long. And I feel like like I'm saying like you can't completely blame culture for that because I do think it's it's you know Adam and Eve, it's the fall. We're it's we're human. We're flawed. Um, just like I have to tell my clients that, that men are born to be leaders, but they're always going to struggle with that. They're always going to have to work at it, right? Like it's not just always going to be easy. And for the, by the same token, it's not always going to be easy for us to receive and humble ourselves and and be submissive and and that kind of thing too. I'm really appreciating this dialogue because you're you're offering the other side of the coin to a lot of things that I talk about. There's an idea going around and uh, I've, I've talked about it on Twitter and Instagram lately that um, when the right masculine man comes along, submission will just be effortless for her. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I don't particularly, I don't think that idea is true. I think we want to believe that it's true. I think all the men who propagate that idea hold themselves as this image. Like I'm a master of the universe and I'll show you how it's done. And women want to believe that the one will come along and it'll just be easy, like in the movies, so that it speaks to our imaginings of ourselves rather than mm-hmm. who, rather than who we are, who we really are. Because men will struggle to lead, 
Like we just will. Like there's no watch any movie. Like look at Aragorn. Aragorn is the classic righteous hero. And what is he doing? Um, what is he doing with um, not Erwin? Uh, my gosh, my my listeners are gonna are gonna kill me. His <laughs> sorry, I'm no help. That's <laughs> yeah, Arwen. There you go. Oh my gosh, they're gonna, they're gonna turn this off and throw it up. Arwen, he's expressing <laughs> at least in the movie, he's expressing his insecurities to her, and she's lifting his spirits. Right now, if we would put this into a modern context, if it, it, people would say like, oh, you know, she should just walk out the door because he's clearly not being masculine enough. But I think a lot of women look at Aragorn as that character is like, that's the kind of man I want. Well, guess what? At the last moment that they're put in the movies, again, putting the crown on his head and he looks insecure. And that's Mm -hmm. like a man should fear leadership because the kind of man who's like, nope, give that to me. I'll take that is that's I would ask questions of that man. Let's put it that way. And so maybe you can talk talk through how you uh, mentor women to be more comfortable with the notion that their man is and always will be imperfect, no matter how hard he tries, no no matter how much effort he puts forth, that will have to be something that they have to be comfortable with that he's, there's no man that's going to be perfect. Right. Yeah. And I think um, I like what you said about there being sort of a, I don't think you used the word fantasy, but I I think there's sort of an element of fantasy that Mm -hmm. um, women have that I'm going to be, the tough adversarial, like untamable woman. And, and he's just going to come along and tame me. Right. Like, I, you know, I can be as, right. You've seen, I mean, Oh yeah. There's some ridiculous stuff out there. Oh yeah. Um, You don't deserve me at my best if you can't handle me at my worst. Oh my gosh. And I mean, what I tell women dating is that you have a job to do and you if you haven't kept up your role and practiced your role to the best of your ability then you haven't allowed him to emerge or show himself in the best light possible like Mm -hmm. if you're if you are grabbing your wallet and like trying to pay then you've just put him in a totally different dynamic than um, being the gracious, receiving, and grateful woman that a man feels like he can take care of Mm -hmm. and feels like he wants to take care of. So if we don't show up that way, then we really can't expect, I mean, first of all, why would the epitome of masculinity want to fool with essentially a dragon he's got to slay every time he walks in the door no he's he's out in the world doing that and and he can have any woman he wants he's gonna want the soft feminine safe place to settle and land when he comes home so so there's that piece why would he why would he want to show up for a battle like that um but then also it takes two to tango. You, you know, you can't. <laughs> I mean, dancing's a great analogy, actually. Um, if you're not willing to step backwards, then how, how in the heck is he going to lead you? Yeah. That's not going to be a very pretty dance. Um, but as far as, like, how to deal with and, and just understand a man's struggles, I, I think that's part of the human condition, too, that we're we're always going to be struggling with our our 
side of it. And, um, you know, people in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. Like you, you, it's, there's, we're always in a test. We're always being, um, challenged to rise up and be our best self. And it, you can't slack on that. So if you want to say, well, um, I can't submit to him because he's not being masculine enough, um, then you've, you've failed on, on your part as a woman. Based. That, <laughs> um, we, you know, we have to keep up our side of, um, it, it's just relationships are such a temptation. We're always in a temptation to blame the other person and fault them. Um, and so I like to challenge people, women especially, to use that as a signal that, okay, I need to refocus on what's my role and where am I falling down mm-hmm. and what do I need to do better? And I think men can do the same thing mm-hmm. and, and do do the same thing. We're, we're going to find faults in our spouse when we don't want to look at ourselves in the mirror and we don't want to see, I got a lot of work to do. So, um, I, I hope that answers your question. I don't know. It does. It, it does. No, and it's a, it's a, it, it helps, it helps a lot. And, and I think a lot of people listening to this, um, will feel very, I know that I do feel very blessed by your answers because I talk about, uh, something called the great reconciliation and the great reconciliation is when, um, both men and women agree to drop all of their bitterness over past hurts and step into the circle at the same time. So feminism, which a whole separate conversation, you know, grew up essentially um, by cultivating women's bitterness. That's kind of, that was kind of where it drew a lot of its emotional energy from. That bitterness has now fed, and, and that bitterness was so projected at, um, at men, innocent men who had nothing to do with it right? It carried forward in time that has generated the red pill world where now your people are experiencing men's bitterness. And so you have feminists and red pill people going at each other and going at the public, you know, men are useless. Women are useless. It's like, whoa, 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 guys, like let's stop whatever legitimacy we may feel that our grievances may have. We're not going to be able to say, well, you apologize first. That doesn't get anywhere. We all know that from our lives. So we, we each, as both men and women have to step into the circle of reconciliation at the same time. And what that means is both people have to take responsibility. Both men and women have to take responsibility for the ways that they've failed to show up. And I know many men that are, uh, that are willing to take responsibility for the ways that they've failed to show up. That's, that's why I have a job. That's why I know thousands of other men that have a job is we're all, we're all talking to men in that way. But I find that there's a general cultural unwillingness to say the things that you're saying, which is like, Hey women, yeah, you kind of messed up too. And you need to take responsibility for that. Not because of your ex-boyfriend or ex-husband or father or whatever, like you. And, and so the next question that I want to ask is in your one-on-one sessions with women, you must get a lot of anger projected at you saying some of these things, maybe not screaming or maybe screaming at you. Like you get the front, you get the brunt of that. Like what is talk about that a little bit. I'm very curious. Okay. Um, you mean from my clients or you mean like, just like vitriol 
around like what my message is what like trying to hold women on the internet vitriol (laughs) no (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I haven't seen it, <laughs> particularly, with, particularly more like person to person with your clients, because being in the environment to hold someone accountable, for maybe perhaps for the first time in particular ways that they're not used to, that can generate strong feelings. Let's, let's start there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a, a tricky balance and a fine line to walk um, because, you know, people can't change without... Um, taking responsibility and, yeah. and being accountable. There, there's just, it's just not possible. Um, but at the same time, they do have valid grievances and yeah. complaints and reasons why they ended up in the place that they are. And so I think when we understand how we got there, then that can kind of relieve some of the burden that, Yes, I'm responsible for my choices, but it's not like it happened in a vacuum. Like yeah. there there was some logic to it, right? Um, I mean, so most of us really are going through life or have gone through most of life in a reactive state and just really acting out the patterns that were established in childhood. Mm-hmm. You know, and and it takes it's really hard to develop that self-awareness of what those patterns are and why they're there and, and how to change them. Um, one one um, objection I've had to deal with a lot is, why should I change for a man? Why should I change myself to, to please men, right? And the way I answer that is that we're not only... Um, our, myself is not set in stone. Like I'm, I'm not only a pro, like I'm not only these bones and skin and and nerves, this nervous system, which is what enacts our patterns, right? It's where those patterns are ingrained. And then it, it's, you know, sends us our behavior down those same paths. Um, but then also the choices that we make mm-hmm. create and, create the, the person that you see in front of you. So do you want to be the person who is merely a product of those patterns that were ingrained by your parents? Or do you want to be a person that's a product of your choices and you've actually overcome those patterns that were ingrained mm-hmm. since childhood or since trauma after childhood or wh- however it came about? And so when, when we accept that we do have that power to choose who we are, then you're free to choose how you want to show up. Do I want to show up soft and gentle and humble and forgiving? Or do I want to show up hard and adversarial and and, um, contrary? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, you know, a, a lot of those attributes or qualities that that we think are like inherent in like who we are um, really end up being like a coping mechanism. Yeah, they really were a response to not getting enough attention or not getting the right right kind of attention. Um, like if like if I um, if I want women to you know sit back and do more observing and listening. 
um, you know, for the for the sex that is focused on relationships, we're actually not great listeners for <laughs> to to a large extent. Um, so, I, you know, I, I challenge women, especially Amazing. in dating, like you have a lot of observing to do here. Like this is this is not only important to boost his ego or, you know, to to get along nice with guys. This is actually a safety thing. Um, because manipulators take what they hear you chattering off at the mouth about and they use that to manipulate you. And so as women and, you know, being sort of um, vulnerable to um, violence, manipulation, whatever, um, we, we need to zip it and <laughs> do a little more listening. And um, a, a lot of women will object or protest that because, you know, it makes sense on the front end why we need to observe. But then we'll also like fight back a little bit against that and be like, well, you know, maybe I want to be a chatterbox or talk about politics or, you know, be a show off or, or, or loud. And um, when I dig in, like, so to answer your question, I dig in, like, why is that the reaction? Why do you have that, um, that kind of compulsion um, and usually what I find is it's, it's to cope with, um, you know, a lack of attention or, or not the right kind of attention. And we're, we're switching into those automatic responses instead of really making a conscious decision of how we want to relate to the opposite mm. sex. I don't know if that's making sense, but that's, that's what I, that's what I find. One of the things I've observed is that women will often talk about how empathetic they are, but I observe that the empathy extends to everyone except for the men in their lives. Mm, ouch. <laughs> right. It's like, right. oh, we're so empathetic. It's like, um, can you understand my experience as a are man? You? No, no, no. <laughs> Do you, are you really? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so yeah. It's, it's a wall up there. Yeah. And it's, it's very, um, it's very difficult. Now, I like to be listened to as a man because we have a lot to say and we can become chatterboxes ourselves and we can lose touch with the connection with our audience and be talking to hear ourselves talk rather than talking to be heard, right? And mm -hmm. I, think, I think there's there's a little bit of both, but also you make a really good point that uh, if you're vetting a man, from if you're a woman and you're vetting a man, like let him talk. He will reveal himself if you're- Exactly. If you're, right, and versus if, you're, if, if he's listening to you all the time, He's gathering information about you when you should really be digging into him. And that's okay. You'll get him talking and then you'll see who he is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and what I'll get as an objection is, but what if I want to know about his values and his family and his, you know, has he been there? You know, whatever. What if, what if I want to know this? Like, shouldn't I ask him? And I said, well, if you just listen, won't you know what he wants you to know? Like, that is that meta information, that data of, well, he didn't tell me about his family. So mm. that tells you something, right? Like what he wants you to know or not know is is really valuable information. Mm -hmm. And you're yeah. right. Men do want to talk and be listened to. And sometimes like it's so it's such a common experience that they're not being listened to. So then when they go on a, a date with one of my clients, then now, now they can get it all out. <laughs> yeah. And they're really just like, so tickled to have an audience that's actually listening. 
Um, so sometimes that needs to like kind of flush out and, <laughs> mm-hmm. and, uh, and get, you know, get past that, that phase. <laughs> there was a tweet going around, um, a couple of days ago, the video about, uh, the, the, I'm not, I think maybe King's community, I think is the name of the account that posted it, that I guess it was a compilation of a bunch of guys who had been asked on TikTok or something like that. You know, who do you go to, who do you talk to when you're going through something? And it was just like a string of like 20 guys, like nobody, like I don't have anyone to talk to and how, how isolated men are. And, you know, many of these men might've had girlfriends, right. Who, who they just feel like, yeah, no, I, I, I mean, a lot of them got, a lot of the guys said like, it's because I'm a man, they write it up, wrote it off to that. But I think some of it is, is cultural expectations. And, but some of it is a real feeling like I'll go to talk to somebody and they just won't listen. So many men are just, are, are very used to, not being listened to. I think men, we're, we're very, we can be very complicated creatures and very simple in, in some ways as well, but men have a deep need to be listened to and be appreciated for who we are inside. And it doesn't mean that you have to necessarily uh, like vibe with our appreciation for the Roman empire, let's say, <laughs> but recognize that our appreciation for the Roman empire, that was another meme that was going around mm-hmm. that our appreciation for the Roman empire says something about us or construction or, you know, electronics or whatever we into, it can mm-hmm. be validated as a part of this man that you love. Right. And, and, and yeah. let him revel in it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I'm amazed with my husband's uh, memory for statistics and sports. <laughs> um, he doesn't even really watch, watch it hardly at mm-hmm. all, but it'll come up, you know, sports center for a minute and, and he remembers everything he just saw. So even if we don't care about the content of the the rant or whatever, um, mm-hmm. we can appreciate, and we need to. We really do need to appreciate. Um, well, oh, he's he's doing he's knowing or caring about all these things I don't know or care about, which means that. I don't have to know or care about it. And that's a blessing to me. And so we can appreciate that. And we, and we really do need to, or, mm-hmm. or else we're living in discontent and um, dissatisfaction just constantly. So say more, you mentioned the term fulfillment earlier, and I wanted you to talk a little bit more about what that looks like from a, a, a feminine side. I, I know what fulfillment can mean to men, um, what does it mean to a woman in this role? Because I think a lot of women have been guided by culture and upbringing to look at fulfillment in terms of fulfillment of their professional career career goals. Like I am fulfilled when I become vice president of whatever, right? Because of my material success. What does it look like to be fulfilled from a feminine perspective? Maybe even deprogramming from that, let's say mountaintop. Well, I mean, just from a practical standpoint, um, I don't know if you're if you're a fan or not, but um, one of my um, one of the, the I don't know what you would call him, uh, I, Scott Adams. Uh, do you listen to him at all? The uh, the the writer, the Dilbert guy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's all about persuasion, and um, one of his big concepts is systems over goals. Um, and that got it, that got, um, uh, included in like James Clear's atomic habits and, and all of that. So it's, hmm. it's, it's definitely out in the zeitgeist now. And I think it's a great mindset shift because like the reason I'm bringing up, bring this up is like, you say like a, 
like if we're basing fulfillment on like achievement of a particular um, goal, like vice president, whatever, um, that's like a moment in time, right? Like 99.99% of your life is in, um, is unfulfillment of that goal, right? And then when you get there, that's like an instant and then what, right? And now I don't have that goal in front of me. It's behind me. Now what? Um, so the systems uh, concept is that I set my life up to have um, routines in place that I know will get me the kind of life that I'm looking for. I know that it will increase the odds of um, success in however I define that success. And so like, say you want to lose weight and you, you know, you have like a number in mind and every day that you're not at that number is a failure. Right. And so you're unhappy Mm. because you're not there. But if you have a system that, um, where you work out every day, where you eat healthy food every day, then you know that you're likely to achieve that goal, but also you get to check it off your list every day. I've, eaten healthy and I've exercised. And so you're living in fulfillment of that system on a daily basis, as opposed to that moment in time that, that passes and then, and then we're unhappy again. So, so hopefully it's, it's answering your question to say that I want women to set their lives up to have those moments and those, um, you know, those daily activities and rituals in place that signal, oh, I'm doing the right things. I'm making success likely. I'm on the right path as opposed to like, did I achieve X? Does that make sense? So like, even, you know, I I mean, you want to have kids, even that in it's itself is like a goal, right? And then I had kid A, now I need kid B and now I need kid C. But if your system is, I'm going to play with those babies and be grateful for them every day, and I'm going to connect with them, and I'm I'm gonna, you know, look at their sweet faces, then that's something that you can, you know, be in fulfillment of every day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is great. This is like this is the conversation about these subjects that I've always that I've always wanted to have. So this is this is a, oh nice. <laughs> yeah, no, it's because I I think a lot of what's going wrong between men and women today comes down to mindsets that, um, that I think women have been given so much of what was supposed to be men's mindsets. And it's a changing, it's an entire shift of perspective to, for a woman to learn to think like a woman, right. In, in, in the, in the right way. Right. And I, I think a lot of the work that I do is a lot of men have, they wouldn't necessarily call it that, but they've been given women's mindsets as well being very relational. And so there's a lot of like changing everything that's between the ears, right? And how do you talk about the way that, how do you, how do you think about the way that you think it sort of like Mm -hmm. begins spiraling on itself? Right. Right. Yeah. And it touches on everything. Mm -hmm. So I I wanted to talk uh, specifically, I didn't get the chance to watch this video on your YouTube, but I did see it about the, the weight loss topic because, um, I, I have a particular perspective on that, particularly because, we live in an era that um, Alexander Cortez on Twitter call it calls it obesogenic. Like the world is trying to make us fat. Like it's it's it, it didn't used to try. Now it's trying really hard, particularly in America. And we all have to fight against that 
but the weight loss topic for for both men and women, but particularly for women, I think related to something in their in their psychology somewhere. I'm not exactly sure. Is very very sensitive and almost explosive, and yet it must be addressed. So I wonder if you could go into some of the stuff that you talked about in that video, and I'll link it in the show notes as well. Sure. Well, that was a long time ago. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, no, I just I, you know I don't watch my videos over and again, over again, so I don't. I can relate what to I that. Said. But. Um, <clears throat> But I know that you're right about mindset being huge. And that's why I kind of mentioned um, at the beginning, like that whole transformation, it really did start as a weight loss journey. And um, there, it is so difficult for women to like wrap our heads around that it's okay for men to judge us by like our silhouette and, you know, that, um, that, that that's, you know, beauty is a part of femininity. And that doesn't mean that we all need to fall into the same box. It doesn't mean that we all need to be blonde hair, blue eyed and Instagram ready, right? Men appreciate beauty of all shapes and forms and stripes and and colors, um, which we can't comprehend, right? Like, (laughs) that's something that's hard to wrap our our brains around too. Um, But then to accept you know, that I am a beautiful being and that my husband, even if, you know, might be a future husband, is going to appreciate that about me. And I want him to, right? And and we all know deep inside that we want him to. <laughs> like, there's no, no one's going to deny that to me. I won't, I won't buy it. Um, but you know, so it's, it's like if you put those concepts together, I, acknowledging, I want him to appreciate me for my beauty. Okay, now, if he's a future husband, I'm thinking of, then how am I going to maximize my beauty to, you know, just shine for him? And mm-hmm. and the way I explain that to women is that I, my husband literally will tell you that I had an aura um, around me when, when we first met Mm. and that's what attracted him to me. And we have that aura when we feel it, when we feel beautiful and it, it just so happens we have eyeballs and know if we're beautiful or not. So, you know, so it's hard to feel beautiful if you don't look the way you want to look. And that's, that is, that is hard to accept, but it's also a continuum. Like if we're working hard and having discipline um, on the inside, <clears throat> then we can also appreciate where we're at even when we're not exactly where we want to be, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. It's like I, I said, I don't know if, if others can identify with this, but like um, I think uh, as women, like, or at least myself, Like I've worn something like an outfit that I thought was really, really super cute and went out and had that aura because that's how I felt. But then seeing a picture afterwards was like, (laughs) what, what was I thinking? That was not cute, but it didn't matter because I had the aura of feeling cute. And so that's what I try to explain to women. Like if you can dig into yourself and say, am I really doing what I feel I need to be doing to be beautiful. If if that's a hell yes, then you will present as beautiful with that aura and your and be attractive to your man. 
does that make sense? So it's like, yeah. So, so yeah, then, then the weight comes off. Then like, if you're actually doing those things, it, it will follow that, that you will lose the weight. You will, um, look better and better and you're, and, and it's a constant lifelong thing to look good and look your best. And hopefully you're always growing in your style and your skills and your abilities and, and your discipline. So that can balance out the fact that you're also getting older (laughs) Mm. and, and, um, and that's another thing that's really, really difficult for women to get is that the, the man that's meant for you is going to appreciate you more and more and, and just, and always still see you as beautiful, um, as you get older and, and, you know, put on a few pounds and, and gain a few wrinkles. And that's really hard to comprehend. And that's why we have to humble ourselves and just accept it. Um, if, if I know that, that I see something a certain way, then I have to, like, you're kind of saying that we can understand each other. And I don't know, I don't know 100% if that's true. Like, I think we can get the idea, but right. we, we're not, we're not actually going to see it through each other's eyes. Um, so, so there's that little leap of faith of acceptance, like, okay, he probably sees it the opposite way that I do, just because I know that's how most things are. And so even though I can't see it that way, I'm going to accept that, that that's how he sees it. Um, so I think I answered your question, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know that we can't understand each other completely. And the, and the joke, the joke that I tell, like women can never fully understand men completely because women will never have to walk into like a, a bathroom at a sporting event and understand the basic male experience of having to go to like the urinals at a sporting event. Like that's, that is a, that is a, a, a very basic male experience that we live with every day that a woman will never have to live with. Right. And there's a whole thing. There's a thing about that. Right. And so if you can't have that basic male experience that every man lives through, and that's just one of many, no, like it'll, right. and there are, there, there are similar experiences for women, like getting your period for the first time, et cetera, like things like just won't understand. But I think that we can understand each other conceptually and come to see the way that people think about each other, think about things, even if it never becomes native to us. Right. Right. And so, and so I like what you said about the right man for you will continue to find you beautiful and even more beautiful as you go through life, even though that doesn't make sense. Like, wait, what? Right. I look terrible today. Like you look amazing. (laughs) You're like, no, no, I don't. Because the beauty standard that you hold for yourself and your mind is so completely different than what he holds for you. And I've been, I've been saying lately, like men often get accused of worshiping beauty. I think women's relationship to beauty is like a whole different, it's a whole thing that I, I, that I don't know if I can understand. It is a whole thing. It is. And when we can see that we have that relationship with it, that isn't perfect. Um, I think we can be a little more accepting of, um, not understanding exactly how men see it. Mm-hmm. So I, I want to put a couple pieces together. So, um, so there, there's a, there's a, the desire within women to feel beautiful based on their own, based on their own, I guess, standards for themselves, whether objective or not, but then receiving a compliment from say her husband, there's a resistance to receiving that compliment, right? Like, no, you are beautiful. 
can you put the help put those pieces together for me? I get it, but like mm-hmm. I want to understand what's going on inside inside the mind at that moment. It's like, no, I'm not. I know better than you. Is or is it is it like I am, but I can't accept that he's telling it to me? Like, what's the is there a mm-hmm. thought process there, or is it just a resistance? Um, well, I think you touched on a lot of it, and and it is like a tangle of mm-hmm. many different reasons and factors and because our brains are like a bowl of spaghetti right and so (laughs) we don't know what it's not a straight line from like this is the reason right sure um and so we don't really know why um (laughs) i love it why it's so hard um but yeah i think i think a combination of all of those things and and like I said, that he he's going to see you differently than than you see yourself. And that doesn't mean that he's blind. That doesn't mean he doesn't, you know, get it. Um, but but do you really want to pick that apart? And <laughs> do you really want to correct him and say, um, no, my hair looks worse today than it did yesterday? And, and I, I mean, because that is what we are doing when we're rejecting compliments. Um, mm-hmm. Since I brought brought up Scott Adams, one of my um, most telling stories that he that he tells, I think, is um, when he said that he was with a woman that um, wanted flowers and loved flowers and always wanted him to buy her flowers. But then when he did, she would joke and say, well, what did you do wrong? Are you, you that you have to apologize for? Um, you know, what's the special occasion? Why are you, you know, like saying like he had to be groveling in order to give her the flowers and so what he said was i i quickly learned not to give her flowers and so you know that's what we're doing when we reject compliments is we're teaching our significant other that we don't want compliments and and as as hard as it is to accept them i think it's much harder to live without them Mm -hmm. and so um like I said, just we need to humble ourselves and, and say thank you and, and be grateful, even if it even if we disagree. <laughs> mm-hmm. It feels a lot like the difference in mindset would be something like a woman who is used to drawing her her validation from her ma- achievements in the material world will be resistant to drawing her validation, I guess, in, in from not necessarily her achievements, but from her relational world. And so right. like, I, I want to compliment you. I want to tell you, you look beautiful or you look wonderful or I love you or give you flowers. It's like, no, I can't derive just my for sense being. just for being exactly. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whew. Yeah. So, and you, and you mentioned, Oh, I'm sorry. I just wanted to, you had no, asked please. an earlier question that was like, what, what's one of, um, you know, what are one of the hard, some of the harder ch- challenges, um, for women when, when they're on this journey and, like you're saying, just being, and like you said uh, earlier, also unbecoming, unbecoming the things that um, you've been taught to do um, for so long is that's a real challenge. Just being in the present, like that's that's a huge practice of femininity, and in, in my book that um, that I challenge women to be present, be fully present, and be in your body notice what's happening in your body like these are i could go on and on about this stuff Mm. but that's really really challenging for a woman who's um 
you know, just basing her worth on checking off achievements. And so what I, I, you know, try to use that to our advantage, if, if being present is so difficult, then put that on your to-do list, put that on your achievement goal list and say, I'm going to accept this challenge. I'm going to do this very, very difficult thing and just be. And so it's, you, you can kind of manipulate the mindset of achievement to look at the act of, of being present and, and not doing as an achievement in itself. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sort of use the inclination of your mind to achieve, have a, I'm going to achieve being. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if it's so hard, then maybe it's worth doing. <laughs> yeah. This is all, this is really helpful because it's, it's helping me to understand a lot of things that I've observed in women that haven't made any sense to me. <laughs> why the, why the rejection, uh, why the rejection of compliments, why the, you know, why the checking out of, of conversation or not, 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 not necessarily not listening, but like up and out to go do the next thing always. in like, can we just, can we be, and can we receive that? It's making, it's making a lot of sense actually. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I have to say, like, I feel a lot of grief hearing it mm-hmm. because, because I regard the things that you're describing as women's birthright that is like, that's been it taken works. or, yeah. So, so please say, please say more about that because I imagine that's a big part of what you do with women. Oh, it's just so beautiful to hear them say that they are feeling it and they, they're getting to experience those things that, that you just mentioned that are, are women's birthright. And, um, you know, part of my story is that when I met my husband, it was so romantic. It was just a perfect meeting story. And um, do you want me to tell you it? Please. Just, yeah. Would that be okay? Yeah, of course. <laughs> so, I mean, we'd love this story. And, and when we were, you know, first dating, like we would talk about it all the time, um, which I also recommend if you're, if you're um, courting, like reminisce of how you mm. met and talk about those beginning days and just keep like, um, uh, g- you know, get them ingrained and, and set and, and really, you know, just really create that, that solid foundation. So anyway, um, it was a a summer night, a Thursday evening in this, in like in July of 2017. And, um, there's this beautiful rooftop downtown, um, venue with like a, it's got like a koi pond and a rooftop, like, garden and and then overlooking our beautiful downtown which is surrounded by mountains so i mean just so picturesque and i was up um on the rooftop with some friends and then my husband like walks up the the stairs and i saw him before he saw me and i thought he looked like a college kid like i I thought i was checking out a 20 year old (laughs) and Mm -hmm. um so i looked away really fast and then, um, and then he saw me as I was like looking up and away and avoiding eye contact. And then, um, for the rest of the night, he was following me around and introduced himself and said, and I, and, you know, asked me like, what were my plans for the night and stuff. And I said, I was going to go dancing a couple doors down later. Um, there's like a salsa event or whatever. 
And so he kept like following me around and going, are, are you still going dancing? Are you still going dancing? And and then we then we went and um, danced every you know song and until you know it was over and everything. And that it wasn't until after I had that experience and knew I'd met the love of my life that I remembered having that fantasy, that dream as a girl that my Prince Charming essentially would see me and and not be able to leave my side. Like it would be an irresistible force for him to to then, you know, he he had no choice but to um but to pursue me. And I had I had that that was my dream as a little girl and had talked myself out of it, had taught myself that that was ridiculous and um and completely forgot about it until it actually happened and then i remembered that i had had it and so that's that's the experience that women have when they get to be in their feminine and be um you know leaned back and get pursued a lot of these women have never been asked on a date have never been on a real date i mean i'm i'm sure you're probably familiar with like the college scene and you know netflix and chill like they are not women are not being courted we're not people are not having romantic relationships there's no romance right and so when we get to experience it it's like that it's like a, an awakening of what it truly means to be human almost like that that it is a birthright this is a story that like all these stories you know how jordan peterson says about how stories are like part of what it means to be human we that's why all these stories like uh crop up in different places even they're not related but they have the same story to tell right because it's just part of being human and so um that's what it feels like when you finally get to live out that like destiny then it's like oh i know what it means to be a woman now mm. and so i just i just love it that that we get to experience that and that's what my clients tell me like that oh he's actually pursuing me like he's he actually like is that my beck and call? He, he, he treats me like a princess. Like these are the things that, that women want and don't even are too scared to even admit that we do want mm. to the point where you just deny it, just completely deny it and, and, um, push it out of our minds, but it's still and, there. And you were finally in a place where you were ready to live that, to live that dream out. Right. Yep. Mm. Exactly. And that's why it it can happen quickly. It does. It, it just has to happen once you're ready. My friends, there's something I've been meaning to tell you. You're not drinking enough coffee. Reformation coffee, that is, because you're almost definitely drinking too much of every other kind of coffee. You know, the woke globalist stuff on every street corner. Charbucks, dorky donuts, you know, stuff like that. Those coffee companies don't like traditional Christian values very much but they'll gladly take the money of those who hold those values. But what if there was a company that made great coffee and shared the values while working to spread them one delicious cup at a time? Thankfully, there is, which brings us back to my favorite coffee and soon to be yours, Reformation. 
Reformation Coffee was founded by Pastor Brandon Lansdowne in Springfield, Missouri as a passion project while he was working as a general contractor. Now he's taking his talents to South Beach and going full-time to benefit his family, household, and legacy, and your morning cup. He's already made a huge impact on my coffee experience, teaching me how to do pour-over, which I now do daily, and I'm actually getting pretty good at it. But in addition to that, a little birdie on Twitter told me that Reformation even has a new espresso blend coming soon. It's made up of four roasts, Brazil Cerrado, Guatemala Antigua, India Mysore, and Sulawesi Colosi. I might have said that right. Brandon writes, quote, It has a slight dark chocolate sweetness along with a hint of spice and performs very well when paired with milk. So I guess I'm getting an espresso machine as part of season two of Will Reforms His Coffee. This time it's cappuccino. You can get a head start on the action by going to reformationcoffee.com right now and ordering some coffee. Choose from Brandon's four signature roasts or get a sampler to try them all and get your favorite Unitarian Universalist some decaf and explain that it's a metaphor for their version of the gospel. Also, Reformation Coffee offers regular coffee delivery. Also, Reformation offers regular coffee delivery. And when you sign up to get it shipped to your door, use the code SUBFREE and you'll get one free bag of coffee on the house. That's right, go to reformationcoffee.com right now and sign up for regular coffee delivery. And when you use the code SUBFREE, you'll get a free bag of coffee. It's still early in 2024 and it's shaping up to be a wild year. We're baptizing babies and putting milk in our coffee. So you're gonna need more coffee to sip on while you watch. Let it be Reformation. Are you familiar with the work of Alison Armstrong? Mm-mm. Oh, that would be, that, that's, that's something that I think you'd really enjoy. So she's been writing about men and women for about 30 years and, and her work has okay. been very influential to me as well. In fact, she's, she taught me a lot about what it means to be a man. She really understands, like she understands men from women's perspective in a way that men like come to understand themselves and their relationship mm-hmm. with women. And so, um, especially regarding the life, the life paths of men, you know, growing from like page to knight to prince to king to elder, like that was the first time I'd ever encountered those ideas. Like, why aren't men telling me this? <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. So, um, so what she talks about is, uh, this thing called frog farming, right. Where, uh, you know, some, some, uh, women want to kiss the frog and turn him into a prince. Mm. And what a lot of women will do is that they'll, they'll turn the prince into a frog, mm. right? Go, go the opposite way. And just how much you have to be ready to really mm. see that there are so many men around you that mm-hmm. could be a potential prince if you could just let them be that. Right. And, and that's a stage that women have to get to. And they, and they begin following some of the things that, that she talks particularly about communication, like how women can communicate with men in a way that brings out the best. She has a, she calls it the hero's language. It's like words that call men to, to their best selves. Mm. It's wonderful. And as soon as women learn to stop treating men as adversaries and start looking at them as, as, as beings to respect and treating them with respect, their relationship with all the men around them change and the men start treating them in a different yep. way. And they, they, they were there all along. There wasn't some prince who was going to fall from the sky one day. Right. It's literally been how many different men have you, have, have you not seen? They've been invisible to you because you had to learn to see them. Right. Right. Yep. That's a great point. It's, it's so true. It's so true. And it's so hard to open your mind to that mm-hmm. as a woman, because you've, you've 
done so much judging and so much eliminating and so much closing yourself off that it's it's really really hard to expand your mind that way mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so true though so i, I want to do you have a couple more time for a couple more questions sure sure okay mm-hmm. so i want to transition now to talking a little bit about um relationship dynamics and how you uh, de-invert them because I'd imagine you probably get a lot of relationships where the woman's in a position of leading. Maybe she's always been there and the man has become, an, he's become more passive and they have to write mm-hmm. that ship. And there's as much, there's work to do with the woman, of course, to get her to step back, but then getting the man to step forward, like that is, a, I get that question a lot. I get those questions all the time on Instagram. Uh, you know, I really want to be led, but my husband is too passive and I think there's a lot of elements to that versus, you know, how, how much he suffered in the relationship versus is he truly a passive man? Because there's a lot of both. So how do you begin, you know, de-inverting that? Mm-hmm. Um, well, my favorite saying is um, the more Chad you are, the more trad she'll be. Um, <laughs> and so that's kind of the de-inversion, right? It's like right. Um, if and, – and a lot of people have a hard time. I think this is partially what you're speaking to is whose responsibility is it to fix the relationship? And and why should Both. I be more feminine if he's, you know, not masculine and he's not deserving of it? And uh, I mean, that's what I, I hear a lot. And I think I hear that from men too, um, maybe less, but, but definitely it, it happens both ways. Um, she's not doing her part. So, you know, sure. why should I step up? And I, I'm a huge fan of one side of the relationship, just focusing on themselves and what they can do. And it, it. it's, yeah, it's, it seems like way more effective model from what I can tell than, than the counseling, like, <coughs> you know, who's going to do what. And, and, um, that, that seems to be unsuccessful, um, more than it's successful. Um, so, but it goes both ways. So the, the, if you're, if you're the woman, then you should be the one, um, you know, doing, doing your work and not worry about him. And if you're the guy, then you should do the, you should do the work and not worry about her. Um, but I guess I, you know, I'm not totally sure if, if there is a lot of just they're they're just weak and passive. I don't know. I, I think mm-hmm. that's an open question, and nobody knows until she actually does her part to be feminine and lean back and and let him lead. Um, I I worked with one couple that um, the guy would not do any of the plumbing. He would not unclog the toilets, and he would oh. not kill the bugs. And and she was like, why do I always have to be the one killing the bugs and and plunging the toilet and stuff? And I'm like, well, I don't know. But what happens when you don't do those things? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's like, what do you mean? Just leave it there? Like, <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, why don't you see what happens? And um, and she did. And he went and he killed the bug and he plunged the toilet or whatever, you know. And so it's it's. It's, I guess, a little bit like Schrodinger's cat. Like, we don't know if the guy is passive or not until right. you actually try to be feminine. And and that's that's a hard journey. I'm not saying that's not a lonely 
you know, thing to do for a lot of, a lot of wives live years, uh, struggling, um, to do their part. And then, and then he doesn't step up, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm not saying it's not difficult, but you never know until you actually do it and you actually try. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You have to give, you have to give him a shot. And, and that's, I've, I've gotten this question so many, I can't even count the number of times I've gotten this question either in email or in, or in DMs, particularly on Instagram. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And that's kind of the place that I've gotten to is like, well, I don't, I don't know you. I don't even know if you're a woman you know, for all I know. Right? I, I got no idea, but have you, have you really tried, like, what are the, what would, if I were to talk to him, what would he say the dynamics are? Right. Like she just goes and does everything before I even know. And then she gets mad at me for not doing it. Mm -hmm. Maybe you didn't even know, you know, now look, if you're a man, you're supposed to kill the bugs and you're supposed to unclog the toilet. Like, come on, mm -hmm. that's just how it's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. But again, if, if, if you take that responsibility on before he even has the chance mm -hmm. and then blame him for not doing it, like mm -hmm. it's, it, it sets up that dynamic where the, uh, I mean, give him the chance to step forward at least. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it's and it's unfortunately a great uh, fodder for viral videos to like yeah. show how you do everything and he does nothing and you go away and you come back in the house is a mess and you know and I was just having this conversation with my daughter the other day um, you know I, I don't have a lot of sympathy for women that that talk that way like I have to do everything okay it, I. It sounds horrible, but who is the person in doing the things, right? There's a, there's a subject, there's an action, and the subject is the person doing the things, right? That means you have to be walking through those patterns that you're saying you don't want to be walking through. And that means you had a choice to do that. So I, I, have, I have limited sympathy when you're continually walking through what you say you don't want to do, you have agency there. You made that choice. So good. Because there is a point that the limited sympathy that needs to be stated. Like when it comes to accountability, like accountability only offers limited sympathy. And I find that there's so much sympathy given by default in the, in the culture that it just overrun, it overrides any notion that women can or should be held accountable. And I don't think that serves women at all. I think it's actually no. insulting to them. But right. for whatever reason, it seems that women can't, don't, won't hear it from many men about accountability. I think that I can understand some aspects of that, but not all, which is why mm -hmm. it's very encouraging for me to hear that from you in the way that you just said it. It's like, I have limited sympathy for you. Like you need to mm -hmm. feel that wall of like, yeah, your complaints don't matter. Like you have to take responsibility. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, um, maybe I'm talking tough, but I don't, I can't say that <laughs> in those words to a woman. Sure. Um, what I, what I say is tell me more, um, you know, and it, and it is women's, you know, it is the, the women who are supposed to be teaching older women are supposed to be teaching the younger mm -hmm. women. So, um, I don't, um, you know, I don't know how much men are supposed to really talk about that as, aside from in their, in their own homes, of course. Um, but, but yeah, I, I, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, it's kind of more like, I'll just sort of have a straight face because you're right. Like there's just an assumption of 
women are right and and men are wrong and if you do it all a woe is you and and there's nothing you can you know you're just a victim of your 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 own choice to marry your husband i guess um but but in the way i address that it I'm not going around talking (laughs) to any stranger about their, their marital choices. Um, But if I hear the complaints, then it's just sort of not making that assumption that you're, you're always right as the wife and then um, asking more questions, you know, Oh, oh, really? What, you know, how does that work? And tell me about that. um, Because I think we are just so used to it being assumed that even not assuming, even, even, wanting to know more means you haven't already accepted the premise. Um, so that can, that in itself could shake people up a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely wouldn't expect you to just go stone face and, deal, you know, <laughs> deal with it, put the sunglasses on. You know? That'd be kind of fun. But, that would um, be fun. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, the heart. Posture... I wouldn't get invited to many brunches. <laughs> that's fair. That's well, actually, I actually want to talk about that in a second, actually. Let me some of the pushback you've gotten in, in your, uh, in your offline life or possibly even in online life as well. But I think the heart posture towards just because you're a woman, doesn't mean that you're right about what's going on. There is another right. perspective, a way to look at this. And like, mm-hmm. we don't just bow like, oh, the, the woman said something. So, okay, that must, and there's, there's been a, a cultural pressure to do that. And, uh, but that doesn't make them right. And, and allowing someone to continue in their wrongness about their ideas, because you don't want to make them feel bad, does not serve that person. <laughs> it's, it's actually profoundly selfish. It is. It is. But it's also uh, it's it's also the the feminine dance too, um, right. because because we do have community to maintain and we do have you know sort of the the grapevine to contend with and mm. um, you know your your kids your kids they they need to be included and you know so you have you're responsible for their social networks and and everything too. So there's a lot at stake. And, Mm. um, so it is definitely, um, a dance. (laughs) So this this sounds like you've had some experience with, uh, maybe, I don't know, blowback or, uh, you know, people saying things to kids or maybe getting text messages or phone calls or packages at the door that are ticking. No, not, no, not too much. (laughs) Not too much. Um, no, I've, I've, I would have expected more because, um, you know, with the internet, like everybody, I use my real name, right? And so anyone could find me if they, if they did an ounce of, of looking. And, um, but I think what I, what I find is that um, the people who are meant for us are, you know, they're going to gravitate towards us. And, and if they're not, then they, they move away, you know, and that's just kind of what I've seen is if, if, you're not going to help somebody who doesn't want to be helped anyway. So it's not effective to be adversarial and, and really, um, confrontational. Um, and it, it, you know, so why, why do it if you're not actually going to help anyone? Um, so I, it more, you attract more flies with honey than vinegar. So that's Mm -hmm. my general attitude about it. 
I appreciate that you mentioned also that um, the feminine dance, because one of the things that I've had to advise <clears throat> new male content creators on is you have to be very, if you're going to be very outspoken on a public level, there was one in particular who achieved public prominence very quickly over the course of the past couple of years. And I had to talk to him about this, that you have to be very careful who your wife is talking to, because if you're in the news then her family or friends or whatever will speak to her and you'll begin getting pressure from your wife to soften the things. And she may not mean anything by it, but she'll be experiencing the pressure and it'll become, it'll come through her to you. So you have to make sure that if you're going to wage this battle, which I told this man, I think you should, and he still is, you have to make sure that she's ride or die for you and that mm -hmm. she, and that that feminine dance matters less to less to her than your success as a man and your success as a couple. Well, and, and that's where the, the marriage dynamic comes into play too, because what's, what are your values as a married couple? Um, yeah. what is your philosophy as a couple? Um, you know, because there are, are definitely a lot of couples that, um, they let their, their families come between them and, mm. and they let those lines get blurred and if you're not really clear on what's the hierarchy here, who's in the inner circle and, and who's um, really primary, then you're going to run into some things like that. And even if somebody portrays like Christian conservative values, that does not mean that they've really internalized those concepts. And, you know, unless you've, you've really had those conversations and um, and you've really seen them walk the walk, mm. and and make those choices. Um, does that mean? Yeah, you know, because yeah. like they could be saying in theory, yeah, you're my number one. I'm your ride or die. But then they, if they can, are, um, are consistently choosing, you know, family, their their family or or friends or other influences, then um, you know, it's just lip service. I have such appreciation for the honesty and clarity you answer these questions with. I just really needed to say that. It's like, it's, it's just, a, it's a very, it's a blessing to me to hear the way that you think about these things and the way that you express them. It's like, oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> so thank you for that. <laughs> Aww, um, thank you. Yeah, no, thank, thank you. Um, because I think that there's a tendency or a temptation that's always there to not necessarily in you, but to, in talking about these issues to beat around the bush or to, or to soften some edges or to not tell it like it is not that you're going hard, you know, and, but you, you speak in this way that it's like, no, I really believe this. This is a, a heartfelt, you know, uh, core up belief. And I can express it in a way where you feel that, but you don't feel run over. Like I don't feel run over by what you're saying. It's like, no, this, this is how it is. And it feels very inviting. And that's, it's so difficult to communicate those ideas this way. And I, I have such appreciation when I encounter it. So thank you for that. Oh, thank you. That's so nice. Appreciate that. So I think the last, so I think the last subject that I want to tackle is, is, um, submission versus surrender. I, I listened to your video on that and I thought that was a really good way because the word submission immediately creates all this instant red pl blinking alarm mm -hmm. bells and everything like that. And it's like one of those cognitive red light words. Mm -hmm. So I like how you use the word surrender instead, which I think encapsulates a lot more of this idea of, uh, receiving. So I wonder if we can just talk about that for a minute. Sure. Um, yeah, I I like the word surrender too. Um, and 
you know, I don't, it, it, (laughs) women definitely have more of a tendency to engage with some, uh, like, I don't know how to describe it, like woo woo, um, concepts. Right. And, (laughs) um, and so I find that there's a lot of overlap and, you know, we kind of talked a little bit about like speaking to like secular versus Christian values. Um, and there's, there's definitely an overlap there, but I think surrendering sort of gives more possibilities of how to look at something. Like it kind of breaks the walls down a little bit. Um, like if, if you're talking to a woman, I mean, I've talked to Christian women. They, they say they believe what the Bible says. They say they want to do what God calls them to do. And, and yet they're, they've got so much resistance to yeah. submission and you're, you're supposed to call him Lord and, and they just cannot do it. Right. Um, that was like but, my podcast last week. <laughs> yeah. Last, yeah. 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 And so, so one way that I can sort of get around that is how is that working out for you? Or do you feel like you're fighting against reality here? <laughs> do you feel, do you feel like you're, trying to grasp like water and it's just, you know, it's falling through your fingers. Like maybe we need to go with the flow a little bit. Maybe what we're surrendering to is, um, a higher power to reality itself, to just the human condition. Right. And so if we're, if we're being more, um, practical and doing what works, then it it kind of it allows i think women to open up the the possibility like okay maybe maybe i don't need to obey him per se maybe i need to obey the just sort of the laws of um the way the world works and and life itself and like maybe i just need a i need a teammate and i need um i need help and if I surrender, then I'll get that help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it's a way to introduce the same set of ideas without using such a word. It's a scary word. Whether the word in and of itself is scary, the, certainly the charge that it has in our culture is scary. Um, and I, I liked what you said in one of your videos about um, women being afraid of losing themselves, something like that. And, 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 my question was like yours, like what makes you think that this self that you're afraid of losing is so good, <laughs> right? I'm so afraid yeah. of that. Well, okay. What makes you think that that's a, that, that would be a bad thing. Maybe it's a good thing that you lose that self, right? And so surrender can soften that. Please go ahead. Mm-hmm. Oh no. I was just going to say, I, um, I don't think that would be taken so well. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> if I mean, it were said that way, but yes, here. <laughs> no, I know. I know you're right. Um, Okay, so what was the question? <laughs> well, it was, it was um, more along the lines of the way that surrender introduces a bunch of concepts that submission makes sound really scary. Mm-hmm. Well, and then and then I guess I want to also be clear what we're talking about here because right. there's always going to be the people that are like, well, you know, it, and I mean on both sides, I've seen both ways where um, there are wives who are. Um, <sighs> losing themselves right. and 
And that's not necessarily, you know, more of that isn't necessarily helpful to the relationship, right. you know? And so one of my videos, um, I tried to address that, that submission or surrender doesn't mean suppressing your perspective, because if you are a, a feminine woman who believes in really the power of polarity and that that God created man and woman for different, you know, complementary purposes. Like we serve a role. We have to show up to the relationship and to the marriage. And like we were saying about behind every great man is a, is a great woman. She's not silent. She is Mm -hmm. voicing her perspective and she has a vision to convey that gives, gives him direction in Where's he putting his efforts? Um, and I don't know how how that sits with you or how that that feels to you, but that's that's what I've seen. And I've also heard of um, you know biblical stories that essentially back that up. That you know women have an intuition and you know an emotional language and a feeling nature that um, men value that, that Mm -hmm. a um, husband values in his wife. And if she is not providing that, she's not voicing it, then he's lost, you know, he's losing, she's losing, everyone's losing Mm -hmm. when you don't show up to the marriage. So it's, we're not, we're not talking, and I'm speaking for you too, but, um, I don't think we are talking about, completely suppressing yourself out of the relationship and you know he's the only voice that matters that's not what Mm -hmm. we're saying we're saying that um that we have special roles to play and we need to play that role to the fullest Mm -hmm. no i I think that's probably the the video that i listened to and the classic example is like proverbs 31 like in, in 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 scripture the Proverbs 31 woman is incredibly capable in all different fields of life in terms of both caring and leading and producing and managing, right? And there, that isn't existing in a world where she's like challenging and running her husband over. That's existing in, I trust you to make decisions on behalf of the family and a good man needs to hear her voice. Right. And so, and so what often gets lost in the discussion is like, no, I want to hear what you have to say. And I still make the final decision and it has to be that way. And it seems almost like we can only have one or the other, right? Mm-hmm. Well, if he gets to make the final decision, that just means I can't say anything at all. Or if I get to speak up, then that means he has to listen. And we have to be able to keep these two contradictory ideas in mind at the same time. Like you still get to be you and I want you to be you because unless you're you, I can't love you, right? And 100%. Yep. someone has to drive the bus, right? Yeah, right? yeah. And, yep. and yeah. co-CEOs is not a thing. <laughs> That's right. That's right. It just makes most, it. I have a thing that I'm going to write on Instagram about this, but basically like you are, you come on board his mission, right? You come on board his mission and you help his mission. And you build a mission together. And if you don't, if you aren't comfortable with that, you're either going to get a man who comes on board your mission, which becomes a doormat, or you're both going to be fighting for a lifetime. Right. Those are your choices. I don't make the rules. I just work here. Right. And so, and so to me, the way that the way around all that is to say, both parties have to want the same thing for the same reasons. 
and that this isn't some arrangement that's being imposed by men on women. This is the power of the gospel. This is what the gospel says we are both supposed to want, that we are oriented to individually, right? And that and that is the most important thing because I think when someone really gets that from a deep core level, there's no contradiction. Like, oh yes, submission, surrender, like, yeah, of course, I love him. This is what I want to build with him. But getting to that mindset, it, it's so difficult. I mean, it's a heart mm-hmm. transformation thing, really. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, and, and it's a constant thing, I think, too. Mm. It's It always requires effort and work. I don't, you know, I don't think that ever goes away completely. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. I mean, it's a daily practice. So I wrote down three words while we were chatting, submission, surrender, and suppression. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think the fear of both submission and I think the fear of submission is that it has suppression included in it, which it doesn't necessarily, but right. surrender feels like a much more, it shouldn't, that's right. But surrender feels like it much has a much more inviting feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm a little scared that, that, um, biblical, like, <laughs> yeah. um, fundamentalists are, you know, would have an issue with, with switching the words around, but, you know, but also to me, it's, it's, um, how do we get closer? And, um, you know, if it's, if it's at least I know from myself that these concepts brought me to the, the Bible from a secular place, then, um, you know, I, am sure that's happened for other people too. And so Mm I, you know, I want that to be an option that, that understanding how, um, masculine and feminine polarity and marriage is, um, in the, in the order in God's order, then, um, I think that leaves room for people to, to understand, to understand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think I can understand the fear of the, of, um, fundamentalists getting hung up on the word submission. I get that. Um, and I, I think that, perspective or that position would sort of indicate a a lack of recognizing like what time it is. Like if we're going to get very, I don't mean you, but if we're going to get fixated on a particular word, recognize that culture because of the failure of the American Christian church has enculturated women in feminism generationally, like it's in the bloodstream now. And so going at a broken culture with the heaviest word in the arsenal the sledgehammer mm, word right. is not right. That's, I mean, go for it, right. but that's what generates fears of like the handmaid's tale and stuff like that. Right. right? Exactly. Right. Exactly. So there's a need to learn how to communicate these ideas mm-hmm. in a way that's inviting because you're not going to take the women's liberation genie and stuff it back in the bottle by force. Like, that's mm-hmm. not how this works. Like this has to be a consensual action on behalf of both men and women for us being and becoming our, our highest, most godly selves and you can't coerce that out of somebody. And the ambiguity is so intensely frustrating because the stakes are so high. And yet, has God got it or not? So right. we don't have to put it all on ourselves with a sledgehammer word. We can use more inviting language to paint a picture that people can buy into. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. Thanks. Wonderful. So real quick, do you want to talk about your ebook e- for a second? I know that you mentioned it. So I just, just wanted, uh, if you want to just chat about that for a second, it sounds very interesting. Sure. It's called intentional polarity. And um, that means that um, we're having to go through those stages that I talked about of, um, you know, we lost that competence and and need mm. to regain it. So we're, we're doing that intentionally. And, um, 
And I, I really like it. I think it is inviting and gentle and also very practical and, and helpful that you will, I hear from women, I, you know, they email me after they read it and say that I know what to do now on dates. Like I've, this is really, really helpful that I can really picture it. Um, sometimes when we read guides of what to do or not to do, um, you can't really picture how that would mm-hmm. work in, in practice. So, um, I'm, I'm all about being practical and actually getting women taking those steps, going out on those dates and finding it enjoyable and and changing the whole mindset of, of how to date so that you can attract that man that's going to sweep you off your feet and, and it's going to be romantic and fun. And it's, and it's going to be, um, it's going to get you what you want in the end, not just a loop of dating and dating and dating and staying single. Wonderful. Wonderful. Let's be sure to send people to that. Uh, This has been a beautiful conversation. I've been very blessed by it. Like praise God for your journey and for you lifting women up and and encouraging them in this direction. Well, thank you so much. Well, it's been great to talk to you. I appreciate it. So where would you like to send uh, men and women to find out more about you and what you do? Uh, LilaThomasone.com or Limitless Lila on X. So it's at Limitless Lila. Wonderful. L-E-I-L-A is how you spell my first name. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Okay. Thank you so much, Lila. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance of Men podcast. Visit us on the web at renofmen.com or on your favorite social media platform at Ren of Men. This is the Renaissance of Men. You are the Renaissance.